Welcome back to another edition of Waking the Red Weekly, presented by Footy Talks Lives. My name is Michael Singh, filling in today for the one and only Mitchell Tierney. Um, yeah, so I'll, that's all I'll say on that for now. Um, but we have a ton to get to on today's episode. Uh, we're going to talk, of course, of the big match tonight with Canada and Haiti. Canada trying to advance to the final eight, the final round of World Cup qualifying for the first time in 24 years, for the first time since 1998. So it's a, it's a massive, massive fixture for Canada today. We're going to be talking about some TFC because, you know, it's always fun to talk about TFC when, when uh, yeah, you, you guys know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And then we have the uh, some Canadian Women's National Team talk and a couple other things that we want to get to on today's episode. So as usual, guys, jam-packed edition of Waking the Red Weekly today. But first, let me introduce my co-host today up and then to my left, or I guess... Left on screen, right in yeah. right in person. It's Jeffrey Pinesker. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm wearing the Unity kit, and the irony should not be lost on anybody. <laughs> I love that. I love that, <laughs> Anthony. So this is a you know shout out to the Wake in the Red scouting department. We got a lot of depth here on our bench, and we have brought on the one and only Anthony Corey as our super sub today. Anthony, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today, man? Pleasure to be here, man. I've been watching this show like for time and i mean to be honest <laughs> finally like absolute pleasure yeah thanks for man, having team me. teamwork makes the dream work man i oh, i yeah. can't believe that we're for what are we 48 49 episodes in that's mental also mike you buried the lead we have a special special guest booked for later i'm not going to tell you who it is because it's that special but hold huge. on to your hats huge this is maybe the hugest guest we've ever had on this show and that's saying something because we've had KJs, we've had the Petrillos, we've had the Armstrongs, we've had the Cloaks, we've never had anybody of this caliber before. So just as a guest, up. yeah, as a guest, buckle up, guys, because you're going to be, you're gonna be blown away. Um, let's I just hope he it. doesn't. I just hope he doesn't disappoint now, eh? No, Whoever our special the, guest is. Really you use the pronouns the wrong. I, I'm trying to no keep them ungendered no at this point. I did. I did. <laughs> Um, anyway let's go let's go before we uh, yeah for sure as i mentioned we have a lot of canadian men's national team talk to get to today on today's episode um but first let's talk a little bit about tfc so i mean i'm not the king of analogies we all know who that is on this show but have you guys as a child i don't know maybe have you ever i don't know done something wrong and then your parent or something knows that you did something wrong but they won't tell you that they that you did it so you have to like kind of confess eventually because everyone knows that you did something wrong but no one's saying it that's kind of the vibe that i got yesterday and yes in toronto fc's press conference where tfc general manager ali curtis spoke to media which i mean in a press conference setting which to be honest he doesn't really do that unless something major is happening or you know they need to address something, which obviously mm-hmm. they needed to. Um, but it really felt like a little bit of a state of emergency kind of vibe from TFC. Obviously, the narratives around this team have been really, really bad. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they're not helping themselves out either on the pitch, right? So it's kind of like this, you know, double-edged sword right now with TFC. So what they did yesterday is they came out to just sort of remind everybody of what their goals are and they believe that they're still on track to achieve those goals. Um, 
So a couple things they highlighted yesterday. We'll start with some of the positives. No pun intended with there at the positives. Alejandro Pozuelo coming back into the action. You know, that's that's a game changer. As Ali Curtis mentioned yesterday, he's the type of guy who can not only like turn, you know, a game around, a match around, he's the type of guy who can turn a team and a season around. He's the reigning MVP. He's that good. And we got a taste of that last time against Columbus, which honestly feels like an eternity ago now looking back on it. But, you know, I guess I'll, I'll throw this question to you guys. And we got a taste of pause, you know, injecting what he can do in that Columbus match. Anthony, I'll start with you. How important is pause to this team? And can he turn this season around for Toronto FC, in your opinion? 100%. I think not only just because of his technical ability and, you know, being the rating MVP as he is, just his presence on the pitch. Like, he's a guy who has a lot of influence in the locker room. And someone I would assume the young players are looking up to. So when he's on the pitch, you know, he makes the team tick and he's always that engine. And when he's starting to play, I guess I would assume he'd play a full 90 against uh, this coming weekend. So, um, I mean, fingers crossed that uh, Saturday will be the time to turn things around. And uh, I think this international break was definitely much needed in terms of just to take a break and have um, a couple guys go on international duty. We know Son Larea getting the minutes they need as well. And, you know, they're on the brink of making history for the national team. Great for their morale and great to see also, you know, getting minutes as well. Of course, shout out that national team. We will get into more of that later, but always, always a good time to give that team a shout. Jeff, I'll throw that same question to you. How important is pause to this team? And you know no. what? Let me let me spin it a little bit differently too. Mm-hmm, please. <laughs> is Toronto FC relying too much on one player here? They're relying too much on the idea of one player here. I mean, at this point, uh, and I'm I'm not trying to 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 drag you, Anthony, but is he really a a, a presence in the locker room? I mean, his English isn't very good. He speaks one language, so you know, maybe as an example on the pitch. But but I have a feeling like uh, we're so. I mean, let let let's just break it down because I think you set the table right, Mike. I, I kind of wanted you to go through the 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 gamut of, of the sort of rogues gallery that appeared, right? It was Ali and then Armas, and then they trotted out MB4. My first question is this, did they need to do this press conference? I mean, let's forget about hindsight is twenty twenty because there were no answers, but beyond that, there were, an- I mean, some of the, some of the non-answers were more damning than saying nothing. I mean, generally speaking, if you're going to call a press conference, you want to communicate a point. And when people leave that press conference, they want to be in a better place than they were when they when you opened the press conference. And I don't think I think they failed miserably on all accounts. I mean, we were just saying, and I'm not going to in any way, shape, and form infer that they listen to our stupid pity little show, but we were just saying last weekend that there's a disconnect, and it's not Armis's fault, it's just that he's got a huge shadow of Vanny, how articulate he was, how charming he was. And what do they do a week later? They trot out Armas on a press conference that they called, knowing full well that he's going to get asked a Josie question. And what does he do? He petulantly doesn't answer. That's horrific. That, like, why, who, whose idea was it to set this up so that that happens? I mean, did somebody, did somebody say to him, hey, if you get asked the Josie question, I mean, again, I'm not going to say what Vanny would have done, but what anybody should have done, just BS us. Give us 
holy platitude. <laughs> no, seriously, give us platitudes about how you love him. It doesn't have to be true, and it can be immediately reversed a week later. But say something. I mean, folding your hands and going, uh-uh, I ain't going to talk about that. That's schoolyard nonsense. I mean, who put him in a position to even make that decision, right? Like, that's, it just boggles my mind. If he's going to be that petulant, don't put him up there. I mean, I, 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 I'd accept a dancing bear or an organ grinder over that, right? Like, that is so damning, and it didn't have to happen, you know? Like, like that's that's why I'm so upset about it. Like, you know, just t say something, but but don't okay. say nothing. So, that's okay. so, so insane. So like, to be fair, to be fair, right. at the beginning of his press conference, I think he was asked an initial Josie question. He did give an answer on it, but then he said that he's not going to talk about it anymore. Then right? don't that's, call a press conference. Hold I mean, on, that's hold all on. everybody wants to talk about. And I then mean, he, he was asked... <laughs> He was asked about Josie again towards the end of the press conference, and then he just had to reiterate what he said initially, which is what well, he fine. made his he made his comment on Josie Altador, and then he said, "Okay, guys, no more talking about Josie Altador." And then he was asked another question about Josie Altador. So then he's like, "Okay, I get what you're trying to do with all due respect to Josie Altador's situation going on." And it's like I said, we're going to leave that up to Ali now moving forward. But uh, Jeff, I think your initial point hit the nail on the absolute head. This was, a, this was a press conference that was called by TFC. They weren't revealing anything new. There was no... The, the needle was not moved in any shape, way, or form in terms of any news with this club. Um, the Josie Altador situation, the only update that we got is that the situation is still ongoing. And No, I mean, if you read between the lines, you got, you got a serious update. And, and I want to get into this. Everybody was very careful, from Curtis down to Michael Bradley. Of course, they were rehearsed. The, to men, well, were they? I mean, <laughs> yes and no, right? You had you had Armas up there going, uh, uh, to mention the agent, and I think that that's a very important detail, and it certainly didn't go unnoticed to me. Nobody ever inferred in any way, shape, and form that Josie was having a personal conversation with anybody. They were very careful to mention that it was his representation. Now, again, that's not new though. Exactly. We knew this before the press conference, which is yeah. another bit of, uh, you know, why tell us this again? Why hammer home this point that if you're sensitive enough to the details, you, you, you realize, uh, uh, sorry, George, uh, I'm sorry. We're getting in the way of your, your Portugal thing. And you, and you roll this, you wrote us a scroller. I'll read it when I'm not speaking. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, like I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go in circles. But but we knew all this beforehand. Uh, the only thing they stressed is the is the stuff that that leads us to believe that that this the resolution will not be a happy one for for Josmer and TFC. And uh, again, I I question the validity of ho of hosting the uh, the press conference in the first place. I just I, I don't know why they did. I mean, we've got it. We've got enough soccer to take our minds off off the foibles of TFC. It seemed completely ridiculous to remind us of what's going on there right now for absolutely no reason. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's I, read what George said. I'm totally with you there, um, mm -hmm. Jeff. And I just want to throw this to Anthony. Anthony, I know you have no inside knowledge of any of this. I know this is just speculation. But with the vibes that you're getting right now, do you believe Joel Zaltador has played his last match for Toronto FC? Unfortunately, I do, and I, I, it's it's just sad to see. I mean, he's supposed to be one of the three poster boys for our club, and 
for him to go out like this, you know, he's taken us to three MLS cups, helped us win that one. And, um, and we, this is how, you know, we don't want any player of his stature to leave on such a, such a poor note and knowing that his last game has unfortunately come is, I mean, quite sad to see. And now that he's, I mean, I don't think MLSC is going to buy out his contract. And I was talking to Jeff about this earlier. Definitely not sixth highest paid player in the MLS. Way too much to pay and way too much to get off in. Definitely not mid season because they not. get they get no salary cap relief. Yeah, but I think towards, not, I think everything's on the table right now. But but yeah, logically, absolutely. Yeah, I would be surprised if it's mid season. But towards the off season, when they actually get salary cap relief, they get that DP spot off off their roster. I wouldn't be surprised if if they have to head in this direction because their hands are sort of tied. But and obviously, the there's a lot things, to play out. Yeah, go ahead, Anthony. The grand scheme of things, it doesn't even look good when we want to replace him with another DP. I mean, the club is in shambles right now, given mm-hmm. this really poor man man management of, you know, one of our three should <laughs> they should be best players. Yeah. So I mean, when other DPs are looking at coming to Toronto FC, this is dominating the headlines for the last what month now, and it's definitely going to keep going until there's somewhat of a resolution and piggybacking what you said, Jeff, from that press conference, it just kind of reiterated that, you know, we're still not great. And what was the real point of mentioning that if the situation is, un- is unchanged? So, I and I, I can mean, imagine I'm... Soteldo and Pozuelo are probably looking at their agents like, what's going on here? Do we really yeah. want to be a part of this? Realistically, realistically, like they, they did need to address it before Saturday's match because, I mean, that's going to be the, the million-dollar question. As, as Anthony mentioned, like, it dominated headlines um, for the last month. And, you know, it's a question that we're all wondering. But I'm also wondering, and this is really a, a, what this situation may come down to, is this all about the incident that occurred after that Orlando City match when Josie Altador was subbed off? Is it only because Josie Altador had a rift with Chris Armis? He said some things, and then it's like, okay, we're exiling you from the first team, and you got to train on your own, which he's still doing, by the way, in in Florida. And the Athletic also put out a report yesterday that Josie Altador would prefer to train with the first team and kind of reunite with everyone there. So it leaves me to wonder, like, what is this really about? Is this a convenient time? We mentioned this on our show last week. Is this more so a convenient time for Toronto FC to get rid of Josie Altador, who I've been on record saying, and I, I still wholeheartedly believe this, that the team would probably be better off long-term, even short-term, if they can fill that DP spot with an actual designated player that's worth that contract right now. And I think, you know, does Ali Curtis see the same thing there? Is this a convenient time? Jeff, go ahead. They've been shopping him for a while. This is now yes. common knowledge. Uh, they put him in the shop window at the beginning of the year. It didn't work out for them. Uh, they refused a Cruz Azul deal, which is the kind of deals that they were getting when they were shopping around, which is we'll take him off your hands for the low, low price of nothing. You don't get a transfer fee. You don't get, we'll give you the tiniest bit of salary relief because we don't give, we're Cruz Azul. We don't care about your rinky dink MLS rules. This is what we're willing to pay for him. Take it or don't. Right. And considering that he's got a no trade deal, so he can't go to MLS. So the MLS Tam Gam, thank you, ma'am, shenanigans don't apply to Josie. Right. I mean, we've been saying it's a bad contract. And unless he plays good, it, you know, we're seeing how bad this contract was. Right. We gave him every concession in the world. 
uh, TFC wasn't willing to do that. They maybe they didn't want to tra- maybe they wanted a transfer fee or whatever. But you're seeing now that frustration manifest, right? So I all think, the thing, yeah, yeah. I, 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 this has been ongoing, and 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 I think that there's truth to your tinfoil hat that the club were incredibly frustrated, and this was a wonderful target of opportunity, and so they went all in on this because now it's a way to own the narrative and 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 in a way. Uh, position themselves to be uh, uh, us versus them. They really shouldn't have put their, their bet their, uh, their they tied their wagon to a brand new coach that nobody's met yet. That seems to be defensive and, and adversarial and combative when he's asked questions over Zoom. Uh, that's really not the guy you wanna you wanna you wanna put up against the club legend that's that scored goals and won us championships. Uh, but he, here it is, and and we are. I, I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. I mean, if you want to get rid of somebody and uh, uh, and life hands you lemons, you make lemonade. Uh, so I, I don't think that I really don't think that we can ignore that and call and dismiss it as tinfoil hat nonsense anymore. Uh, yeah, what I was going to say, Jeff, is mm-hmm. just that I don't necessarily think they're holding up for a transfer fee. I just necessarily think they're trying to get his sal- his full salary as much as they can off their books. Right, which is holding up point, for a transfer fee 2.0, right? Eventually, sure, they're gonna come sure. to the at this point, though, the transfer yeah. fee is just off, off, off the table. Oh, yeah, like there's no oh, team yeah. that's paying a transfer there's no fee team. right now. There's no team okay. in the world. Maybe so, Jamie Vardy's uh, uh, Rochester Rhinos now that he's now that he's bought them, but other than or or Inter Miami, never dismiss Inter Miami giving somebody a hundred dollars <laughs> for no reason. There you uh, go. So, this segues <laughs> perfectly into kind of what my next point was, and mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about literally what the the Michael Bradley situation was yesterday. So I was able our to get spe- in this question. Our super special guest is here, but I want them to wait for a while because I like flexing that power. Yeah, I know. We, that's the way we just treat our guests on this show. Yeah, so. Especially the special ones, yeah. And we'll keep you guys waiting just a little bit. Um, <laughs> so the, the Michael Bradley question I, I posted him was Josie Altador obviously with the situation going on you guys are good friends we know from covering this team he's been quick in the past to jump to your defense specifically at the beginning of 2020 when he kind of felt like the club mishandled the treatment of your ankle injury so I just wanted to get your perspective with everything that's going on here with Josie so that was my question I posed to Michael and you know obviously he was prepared for this question this was nothing that was uh, going to be a surprise for Michael Bradley. Um, although it was surprisingly the last question of the press conference that was asked to him, which I thought was pretty, pretty eye opening. But anyways, um, Josie and I have a long relationship. This is what Michael Bradley's saying. He and I have shared a lot of incredible moments together, both with Toronto SC and with the national team. There's been some big successes. There's been some huge disappointment. But when you go through as many experiences like we have, that will mean something. That will always be there. No one can ever take those away from us. And so at this point, I want the best possible situation and outcome for Josie and for his family and for the club, because obviously it's no secret how much I love and care about the club and how much I've given to try and help turn this club into something different and something special. And so it's not an easy situation. It's not a simple situation. And so all I can say is, again, I hope there's a solution where Josie gets the respect and the appreciation that he deserves from the fans and from the city for the incredible role that he has played in putting this club where we are right now. When the book gets written, when all is said and done, we're talking about one of the best, if not the best player to ever play for the club. And the role that he played in so many of those big nights, it can't be overstated. 
I hope there's a solution and an outcome that is fitting for all of that where Josie and his family can be happy and have what they deserve. And I hope that same outcome and solution is what leaves the club in a great place to continue to have success and continue to write more pages in our history. And so it's sports, it's football. These things do happen. We'll leave the rest for Josie and his agent and for the club as they'll navigate that. But those are my thoughts. Okay, let's not let's not get into that too much. We can get into that more after. Um, but just quickly, what I want to say was, like like you've pointed out, Jeff, like Michael Bradley, he he knows what he's saying. He he picks his words very carefully, and to me, that's almost like a goodbye. Yes, exactly, a goodbye sort of thing to Josie Altador. So one hundred percent. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, agent, once again, agent. I mean, yeah. very 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 important that he stressed at the end. Josie and his agent. This is now elevated to boardrooms and, and 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 scheduled meetings. This is no longer casual conversations between members of the same team. This is two camps looking for a solution. And at this point, that solution involves both camps separating at the end of this. I mean... Right. So you know, Alec you know? Chris did say that everything's still on the table, so we won't write Josie off completely yet. There is mm-hmm. still a possibility in some sort of universe where Josie does put back on the TFC kit, but for now, it's not looking too bleak. So anyways, let's move on. Let's bring on our special guest today. We're going to talk some Canadian men's national team. So guys, excited, are you ready guys. for this one? Are you ready for this? Ready. Mr. Canada Soccer, are you ready? We've wanted to have this guy on our show forever. It took so long to get him. Bit of a drama let's bring queen. him on. Yeah. Oh, oh my god! Guys, oh. <laughs> the words Jamie Vardy enough, and you'll just summon me like that. So <laughs> this guy was ready who, for it. Who, Mitch. who is this guy? Who is this guy? Yeah. Oh, oh, Mitch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. What do you have to say about Canada soccer, Mitch? <laughs> that's uh, that's your opening question. That's a lot of preparation. <laughs> no, for... no. You usually write our questions, so I got I got nothing that's there. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, so yeah. Food in the chat. Yeah, I like it, guys. Thought it was heard. Keep it up. (laughs) Thought it was heard, man. We're the worst, man. Mm -hmm. Um, So, anyways, Mitch. Obviously, tonight is the biggest night right now in Canadian men's national team recent history. At least Mm -hmm. they're trying to qualify for that octagonal stage for the first time in 24 years. It's a second leg against Haiti. They're they're leading one nothing. Nothing can go wrong tonight, right? I mean, yeah, if you want to add to that, it looks like Haiti's going to have some players that aren't available. So the narrative sets up perfectly for another massive letdown for the Canadian men's <laughs> national team, doesn't it? Perfectly. <laughs> perfectly. 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 They can't lose 8-1. Perfectly. So, so, Mitch, what were your thoughts on the first leg? Obviously, Canada got that one nothing victory. Uh, you know, Jonathan David had a glorious chance to make it two nothing, um, but you know, Haiti wasn't really backing down in that fight. What are your thoughts on the first leg, and how do you think that'll you know translate into the second leg? Honestly, I thought it was pretty good from Canada. Like, uh, I, I would have liked to see them to be a little more aggressive, but you knew they were going to that game a little bit stressed, just based on the past and, and what we've seen from this team in the past, and. You also know how difficult it is to play away in CONCACAF, even when there, are, there aren't fans. Like That turf field was not great. Canada couldn't really play the, the game they wanted to on that field. You know, the the heat of the day, all those factors that you usually have in CONCACAF were going against them. So, you know, I think you just take results away from home. And that's, that's as big of a result as we've seen them get away from home in, in a long, long time, probably since 
maybe something in the last World Cup cycle. So, yeah, I think uh, I think you take the performance and, and you're happy with that because it sets you up great for, for tonight's game. That's a little ironic because tonight's game, if you guys didn't know, it's not going to be played in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's not going it, to, it's technically a home match for the Canadians, but it will be taking place in Illinois and <laughs> near Chicago there at, uh, yeah, exactly. SeatGeek stadium. Um, and kickoff is set for 9 PM Eastern tonight. So with that being said, a neutral ground, does that, mm-hmm. does that factor in here? And at, at any, any way, shape or form? I mean, it definitely does. You know, we've, uh, as much as we've seen Canada struggle away, it, even in past World Cup cycles, we've seen them get some pretty big results at home in front of, you know, even a small BMO field crowd. It's it's always nice to have people cheering you on and the comfortability of playing at home in Canada. So, yeah, it, it definitely it is an advantage to Haiti in the sense that they had their home leg. Canada won't have the same thing, but I think it is good that they played it in the same city they had already played a match in. There'll be some some comfortability there. I assume they're play, they're staying probably in similar spots to to last time. So I, th- I think the CSA did a pretty good job overall of of making sure to schedule this in a place that look while it's not going to give Canada a massive advantage, it's it's going to give them at least a little bit of one, and and that's what you know you you're looking for best case scenario at this point. Mitch, do you think we're going to m- rue those uh, missed opportunities on that carpet in? Uh in haiti do you think we're gonna rue not being uh not having three away goals to our credit no i don't think so because i think haiti also had some pretty good opportunities to uh to score as well Uh, look i think this canada team can score period and i'm i'm not too concerned about them doing that tonight i think we'll, we'll see if they can hold up defensively but you know it's been what one game I think against Iceland is the only time Canada hasn't scored under John Herdman. So I think we can expect more goals tonight. Is it what 28 goals for right now for this Canadian men's national team, which is by far a, a record for the more than any world cup yeah. qualifying campaign. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, what's what's Jay Dave at now for, for appearances to goals, something insane. That's that six, 16 and 15. I think because he didn't score against, uh, he didn't score in the first place. I think it's fifteen, fifteen. Still a goal a game mm-hmm. average. Yeah, is that that's, good? Yeah, <laughs> that's, I guess that's pretty decent. Right? Yeah, that's pretty decent. Uh, um, yeah, you know that yeah. the, the keeper got got left behind in Haiti, right? Their starting mm-hmm. keeper. Yeah, that's what Mitch is mentioning. Um, so yeah, Katie's going to be kind of weak in there. Let's focus back on Canada for a second. They've they've went out. They've been playing the three five two. And in that, Alfonso Davies was kind of, at least against Haiti, he wasn't as effective as we're used to seeing. Like, Haiti really man-marked him. He didn't get the, the time to dribble, the, the room, really, to do anything. Do you see John Herman tweaking that at all, heading into this matchup? Maybe going back to, what, a 4-3-3, four, four, three, three, which, you know, he, he, he has shown that he can play. Um, or do you think he kind of sticks with the 3-5-2 tonight? I think he sticks with the three-five-two because it's worked both against Haiti and against Suriname, who I think are a somewhat similar side to Haiti, just in the sense that you know they're a team with a couple of good attackers and decent backline, and and you know like to catch you on the counterattack. So I think it actually defensively, at least, has really helped Canada to play well. And while it wasn't great against Haiti, I actually thought that that kind of freer role on the, on the far side was really good for Alfonso against Suriname. So you know, I mean, if 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 the referees maybe do a little bit more of a job and, and pull up more cards on some of the fouls that we saw in Alfonso Davies, like I, I still think he can do 
you know, wonders from that side of the field. So I'm not too concerned. I think I think you stick with the same formation. Right on. And well done. They're saying yeah. in the chat, put three guys on Davies. I don't care. It creates room for everyone else. Bang on. Mm. So that on. Kinda... He's, he's and he's up for the hacks and slashes. He's not he wasn't yeah. diva on the Haiti game. Like he was like, come at me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he like you do love to see that. I mean, I don't know how many of you watched uh, Messi and his Argentina in the Copa America last night. But, you know, when you when you're talking about franchise players on a national squad where, you you know, it's you, you can't just build the team with unlimited money like they do for Barcelona around him. I mean, you know, two things. One. Having Richie on our side to balance out that three-five-two is our secret weapon. I mean, it gives it gives Fonzie Joker. such such free reign to do what he wants to do, and that could be just being a target for them to hack with, you know, studs out tackles. And as long as he's willing to do that, that's fantastic because we can hit you a million different ways, right? If if mm-hmm. Fonzie's willing to be that guy that just gets everybody out of shape, um, you know. That's amazing. Like what? It's a good, good super, problem to have. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, these guys are all ego. Like to be that selfless is not is totally unexpected. Um, and yeah, that three five two. Uh, I mean, that's a devastating formation. Uh, you know, it, it 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 limits our options at midfield. I mean, Mitch's boy San Piet may not be a a, a penciled and ink starter each and every game. But let's be honest, we need that tactical flexibility. I think the three five two to open up a game. Uh, is is pretty awesome and really dynamic for- formation. Well, it's yeah, a really formation dynamic. that won us the MLS Cup, except it actually didn't win us the final. We were in a diamond <laughs> for that one, but it, it took it took us all the way to the to the MLS Cup, right? Like so, good vibes play. here in Canada with that three five two formation. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of perfectly to kind of my next question here, Mitch. And aside from Jonathan David, aside from Alfonso Davies. Who is Canada's most important player tonight heading into the second leg against Haiti? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, I think it's probably, can I pick two in the sense that no, I think they're about the same? No, okay. no, 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 I'll go, I'll go Steven kidding, Ustakio I'm then. Kidding. I'll go Steven Ustakio because I think. I knew it. I knew I, it. I, I think knew the, it. The way, knew yeah, the way so Canada's good. midfield played against Haiti and I think the way that they need to play again tonight, like, the way he he's able to pull the strings alongside Mark Anthony K, who would have been my other guy, um, is something different from what we've seen for a Canadian side in several years. And that allows Canada to control the game. It allows them to be under less stress at the back and and obviously create the chances as well. You know, he had a great little pass and and the build up K had the the through ball as well. Um, so that combination and and what he can do in the midfield, I think, is is a difference maker for Canada. So I think he's incredibly important to everything they do tonight he's been so solid like on the ball like every time he receives a pass like you know like some guys they look a little like shaky like where's their touch gonna go when he touches the ball like you know it's just dead stop and then what also impresses me about Estacchio is his ability to how quickly he picks his head up and gets a forward pass off like that is money right there from your holding midfielder because you, we, we know how much you know teams have struggled in the past when it comes to breaking lines, and he has the ability to break lines with the single pass. So definitely, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. Jeff, what are you going to say? Well, you know how in tennis some guys are clay court specialists and some guys are, are whatever the, the – Hard court or grass. Hard court specialists or grass specialists. Well, is Eustachio a turf specialist? Like does he love <laughs> – 
Does he love those bad carpets where it's really <laughs> slow? I mean, Haiti, Haiti hasn't watered that thing, you know, in 40 years in anticipation of, of like, I mean, balls stop dead there. So it's mm -hmm. like, because I'm, I'm ready to pencil them in, in Sharpie. Like when we roll this three, five, two attacking formation, as long as they're healthy, it's Mac and Eustachio in that midfield and everybody mm -hmm. else is second fiddle. Right. But am I jumping the gun here? Should I, should I, should I make it only when we're on turf? Because I mean, I'd like, Eustachio looked amazing and he was like the hipster pick, right? Like, nobody that like people that you know casuals would not notice how solid he was there like the hardcore tactical people were like holy crap this guy holy crap um i wonder if we'll see the same thing on uh on a proper grass pitch mitch uh, i mean that's where Ustak could be playing most of the season in Portugal. So I'd, I'd imagine nobody enjoyed playing on that Haiti <laughs> that Haiti turf <laughs> mm -hmm. So, but like yeah. Rafa, I mean, nobody likes playing on clay courts, but Rafa like mm -hmm. goes up on clay courts and is like, I'm going to own all you people. Maybe that's like Eustachio's secret weapon, right? Yeah. The the one change I could see them making potentially if they wanted to play just a tiny bit more defensive is bringing in Sam Piet at the base of that midfield and allowing Eustachio to go a little bit forward. Surprise, surprise. Asorio, yeah. but There's always a place yeah. for Piet in my yeah. Canada. <laughs> I don't know that that's the right move. Like, I don't think Canada needs to invite pressure on themselves at all this game. I think, again, we, we've talked about the way Kay and Eustachio can, can sit on the ball and hold it. Like, Canada can play offense by defense, or defense yep. by offense, I think, in this game. And I think that's the, the way to go. I think yeah, it's so cause... important to get off on the front foot. Um, I mean, if AD get a goal first half, momentum's on their side. And, mm -hmm. you know, we all know how two-legged affairs can go in, in the world of football. So, yeah, uh, yeah that, that's why that 3-5-2 is the pick. Get the goal, make Haiti work for, I guess, they have to get two to get one. So, um, yeah, and that's, I mean, I agree with Mitch that Piet can definitely play a role in this, maybe more in the second half, coming off the bench as he did in the first leg. Uh, but just have Eustachio and Mac just boss that midfield like they did in the first leg. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. Mac's so tricky. He can go from like a holding midfielder to like full tilt, aggressive pressing counter like that. And I think that that's a real and some of his passes, especially when he keeps them on the floor, they're devastating. Do you know what I mean? Like we he's, we just he's oh, improved such. so much. Like I, I've told you guys this in the past. Um, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show, but I used to mm -hmm. play against him growing up. Our actually our high schools actually used to play against each other. We used to have some heated matchups, and it was just like five aside. So like in the in the hangar at Dancy Park, um, mm -hmm. five aside, six aside. So like we used to go head to head all the time. And you know he was good back then. He used to play for Lee Side Shadow Lee Side High School. If anyone knows about that school, um, and he was good at the time. But this this guy's gotten so much better so quickly and his ascension. Like, I don't think we've seen the best of Mark Anthony K just yet. And I, I really believe that he has a frame that can take him far in this game. Um, mm -hmm. He has, he's mobile. He's very, very unique in that central midfield position. So that's a, a great shout there for Mark Anthony K because he's, he's become super important man of the match against the, I think it was Suriname. He was the man of the match against or mm -hmm. one of the ones before that. So Again, like he's he's just super important. Um, last question before we let you go here, Mitch. Well, I we're want... letting him go. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> and this guy's a busy guy now. Don't yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to ask you about Jonathan Osorio. 
and the job that he's done so far for this Canadian men's national team coming off injury. How important is he to this, this men's national team? I think he's important for, for a number of reasons. Um, I've mentioned it in the past on this show, but I think he's one of those guys who stepped up and, and been a leader for this group. Um, when John Herdman took over, I think I was telling Oliver Platt that I hoped I'd see Piet and Osorio in every camp because there'd be consistency there. They're MLS guys. And they both have kind of that leadership on, you know, the French side and the English side, so they can bring everybody in all together. And I think both of those guys, but especially Osorio, has has taken a big step towards towards being a leadership player for Canada. And you know, you, you I'm sure you've talked to a bunch of them, Michael. You you hear what all the young guys say about Osorio and how much how much he's meant to them, and and proof that you know you can break through with Toronto FC, those that sort of thing. So. I think from that perspective, he's important. On the field, um, I don't think this has been his best, most effective camp. But nonetheless, I mean, he's still one of those players who can who can deliver in the big moments. We saw the cross against Suriname, uh, or sorry, against Haiti to get Canada that all-important goal. And um, yeah, again, in, in this Canadian midfield, the fact that you have Kay, Gustacchio, and Osorio, who can all play basically every role in that midfield, um, makes it so flexible and so solid. So um, I think he's I think he's incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Colin saying there in the chat that Ozo's pass to set up Jonathan David was excellent. Which yeah, yeah it was it was beautiful. Mark Anthony K releasing Ozo was also very nice um, to set up that that Kyle Aaron goal. But yeah, shout out Ozo, Mitch. Thank you, this buddy, for joining us. This is so <laughs> weird. This is really weird. I don't think I like this, but all right. We'll Make sure you guys all go follow then, Mitchell Clarity yeah. on Twitter. Make sure you guys, you can find all of his work on the great site of Waking the Red. And Mitch, do you have anything else you want to plug before we let you go? I'm good, boys. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Cheers. What a guest. What yeah. a guest. Gentlemen. Oh, man. You know, he should, we, should, we should probably have him host this show if he's not too busy, I think. Yeah. I don't it's know. Nice that guy's, yeah, that guy's yeah. you know, he's tough to get on. I was surprised we actually were able to bring him on as a guest. Oh, to be man, honest so with tough. You. S- surprise, surprise. Mitch wants uh, wants wants Piet everywhere, and George thinks Portugal's national team is better than TFC. Surprise. <laughs> Col- color me surprised. I mean, yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's, let's move on. So let's talk mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, we'll, we'll shift things over, keep things with the national team for now. We will get into a little bit more TFC talk before the end of the show. But mm-hmm. in terms of the national team, I want to talk about the Canadian women's national team because they've recently played two friendlies, um, one against Czech Republic, one against Brazil, both of them ending the same way, a nil-nil draw. Now, against Czech, Czech set up, and they, they essentially like parked the bus against Canada, which is a good sign for the Canadian soccer side who, you know, they're getting that respect against a team like Czech Republic. Unfortunately, once again, which is a recurring narrative around this team, they were unable to find, find that breakthrough, find that goal that they really needed. Defensively, they've been fine. They've been sharp, especially when you inject Kadisha Buchanan back into that mix. But there's still some question marks really about this team moving forward and how huge they can question marks. huge question marks about how they can, you know, better optimize their build up play. And perhaps a lot of that comes down to the, the, the starting eleven selection. Which is a huge issue because Priestman's gotta cut her roster down to something ridiculous. And I don't think she she got what she needed out of these friendlies, right? Like, you know, she's going to have to sacrifice a lot of good midfielders and some good defensive depth 
to bring every last forward because we don't have one that stood out from the pack. Absolutely nobody's made a case for inclusion in this Franken roster. And I mean, if I'm if I'm coaching them, I'm not I'm not willing to make a decision and leave somebody, you know, this was supposed to decide whose potential was ready to be realized during this cycle. And it didn't. And I don't and I, you know, as much as I think that uh, as much as I'm I'm sad that that Bevner has to make that choice, I don't necessarily think this wasn't her fault. Um, you know, watching the game yesterday on our on our WTR Slack, I kept asking people, you know, uh, people that cover this team, what is what what are the tactics here? Because it looked like Timbit's chaos. I mean, I who was playing what? And what, what were the systems? Like, it just looked like the same old, same old, this, like, mad dash. Nobody was running into channels. I mean, if 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 the person on the ball stopped dead, everybody else was so worried about offside, about playing onside that they did too. There were no runs. Like, there was no – forget about assigned uh, – like, like, you know what I mean? Like, look at look at Lua, you know, how, how smart he is as a proper number nine keeping himself onside and making tricky little runs. We, you know, we went through the gamut of like every forward that ever had a cup of coffee with the Canadian men, uh, women's national team. And they all look the same. I mean, you know, usually when you break, when you truck out that many forwards, especially professionals who are working in different systems, right? These aren't unattached FC players anymore. They're working with, with world-class coaches in their systems and they all looked the same. I mean, Jeff, I you're throwing I, out some heat today, buddy. You're sorry, coming, man. you're coming with some fire. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I don't disagree with you there. Like this team, I think we, I think all of our frustration stems from the fact that on paper, this team has come a very, very long way to the point where we do re- genuinely believe against a team like Brazil that they can come away with a victory. No problem, in my opinion. Marta's 4,000 years old. I mean, come on. Say, uh, yeah, but I mean, Marta's still Marta, right? Oh my gosh, so, she's incredible. I would take it, <laughs> absolutely. But, so, you know. um, in terms of the, the women's national team there, they're midfield right now, in my opinion. It's not, it's not ideal. Like, this isn't the best midfield that this team can roll out. I think you got to put Quinn. That absolutely ink, tattoo it on the team sheet. Right? Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. You have to put, in my opinion, her best position is at center mid. Ashley Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I think she's too important of a player. She's too good of a player not to put in the heart of the park yep. and to be the most involved player on this Canadian women's national team. So Ashley Lawrence, for me, needs a spot in that central midfield. And the third one to round out that midfield, Jesse Fleming, of course. Yeah, of course. Right. So right now we're we're seeing a lot of you know Desiree Sophie Scott, Schmidt, Desiree those Sophie Scott. Schmidt, those mm-hmm. names like that, who you know all respect to them because they are Canadian women's national team legends, absolute legends. Roster, get you know get a golf membership. You ain't coming. I'm sorry. But, but if we're talking about the best of the best, we want to give the Canadian women national team the best chance mm-hmm. to win right now. I'm not sure if that midfield includes either of those players. Yep. Um, and, you know, you insert the likes of a Janine Becky back into the side. Nichelle Prince looked very, very good. And then Christine Sinclair, like, that that's some attacking prowess, especially when you consider Ashley Lawrence playing higher up the field and kind of being able to link up with them. 
So right now, the question marks, you know, it isn't defensively for this Canadian women's national team. Right now, it, it's how you can, you know, improve goal moving forward. So hopefully that that they can figure this out by the time the Olympics roll around. Hopefully there is an Olympics this year. Um, and yeah, and, you know, we obviously want to see this team go on a medal because we, we genuinely believe they have the talent there on this roster. Any any kind of wrapping thoughts, concluding thoughts to the Canadian women's national team before we move on, guys? Seems the I, last I think, thing they would have wanted two nil nil mm-hmm. draws when you have to cut down yeah. to an eight man roster. Which I mean, I just saw Ivan's comment. That's actually absurd <laughs> during a pandemic to just take eighteen players, and mm-hmm. that's just that's a match day squad. In, if injuries happen, like where are you going to go? Yeah, Listen, do they have I mean, to cut down I, to eighteen? They do, they do, and I and I think some of it is is cold logic, i.e., less less people means less less people that can be infected, and you know it's not just Canada; it's everybody in the tournament, so yeah. everybody has That's to deal wild. with it. You know, but but at the end of the day, I, I I think Anthony's sort of dancing around this. I don't think Bev did herself any favors with these friendlies. In the same way that we opened this talking about why did TFC call, call a press conference? I mean, they like the sound of their own voice. Uh, like, these friendlies were supposed to to mean something, and they didn't. And I watched both of them, and I didn't see that that pressure to figure it out, right? If I mean, are, are they friendlies or are they competitive games? Like, if they're friendlies and you have unlimited subs, then you shouldn't be playing for a nil-nil draw. I mean, go out there, like pull the goalie. Who cares if they beat us a thousand? <laughs> no, but seriously, who cares if they beat us a thousand to nothing if we can figure out how to get the best roster? Agreed. You know I, what I, I mean? Necessarily. So, I do agree with that, but yeah. at the same time, like you got to manage a lot of different things, like confidence. You have to manage, you know, ensuring that Kadisha Buchanan, for example, she gets the minutes with this team because she missed out the last two, three camps. So there's certain things like that that come into play there. Um, I, I think it was one of our 2020. Yeah, I think, I like think the, it was one of our one of our guests uh, who tweeted yesterday um, when Heidema came on that this was like, and again it was subjective, but you know this is her last audition. I mean that they they got to read that stuff. I I wonder if that's uh, you know as bad for confidence as as ostensibly losing a friendly like yeah i i mean i don't know if jordan heidema sees that to me um, sure. but it's yeah. out there in the wild you know what i mean in the same way that that like losing a friendly by by a huge margin would be out yeah a lot of it also comes down to like there is that balance between rhythm and then also finding finding the best squad to, mm-hmm. to move forward um but yeah like you said bev's gonna have a lot of tough decisions now to make um, I I do personally believe that the friendlies were necessary, kind of leading up to this match, just because you know over the last year and a half we've barely been able to see this Canadian women national team in action mm-hmm. and together as a group. So obviously they wanted to get in a couple of different faces there. I think there were seven players in the camp that didn't actually feature in either friendly. So to to just point there that that's kind of a question mark. But I guess that's weird. That's, I thought they subbed everybody. I guess yeah. Beth has her short list there mm-hmm. um, of the players that she did want to see, and hopefully that gave her enough information to make some tough decisions moving forward. You want more quickly before a, we move on, Jeff? Well, I, I have a question for both of you. Who who do you take forwards? If you got, you know what I mean. Who do you, who do you leave out of the of the forward pool? How many forwards Obviously, are we taking? Well, I mean, again, that's up to you. You can't take as many as you won't have any other positions to play. So. You know, it's a match day squad. How many forwards are you taking? Probably three, maybe okay. four. Okay. So, 
So I would say Christine Sinclair. Easily. Obviously. Um, Jordan Heidema. She gets on that roster. Does Michelle Prince count as a winger or a forward? It's up to you. I mean, you're taking a, a, a spot away from one of your midfielders if you count her as a winger. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the full 18 kind of mapped out of my head, no, no, so it's no, kind I of know, tough just, for me to say. I know, I know, but four off the top of your head means that quite a few of them aren't going. Do you know what I mean? And and that that selection is based on 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 the mo- the, the phase of the moons at this point. Like nothing's really been aside from Cincy being clutch. We don't know much more than we did before those friendlies were played. And that, and that that to me is is my issue. That's yeah. I think Evelyn Viennes also has like her her name for sure um, in that mix. Um, but like you said, yeah, it's it's definitely no no easy answer right now, especially exactly. when you have to cut it down to that short. But like that's going to be the problem with every team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you have to choose eighteen players when you're accustomed to taking what 25, 26 players, like that's that's tough. So um, yeah. let's keep an eye out for that. That Olympic roster is supposed to be dropping, I think, in the next nine, eight days. So let's keep an eye out for what uh, what Bev Priestman does decide to go with. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's move on quickly. Just give a quick shout out to our friend, friend of the show, Christian Jack. He, is, he has joined the Canadian Premier League as the vice president of media and content. Shout out, KJ. Great get for the Canadian Premier League. Um, obviously, their season kicks off later this month. And, you know, if, if KJ is there running the ship, you guys can expect to see some, some goals of content. So um, look forward to that and looking forward to see what he does with that opportunity. Um, one thing I want to get in before we kind of wrap up here is TFC coming home. And for those of you who have stuck around with us, I, I think I have a little bit tidbit here. It isn't confirmed. Ooh, obviously, there, there's, a, there's a lot of hurdles for, you know, the team to work out. A lot of hurdles for the Canadian or you know the Canadian government to work out. Nothing's finalized here. This is just speculation. But I've heard that TFC is eyeing to return home to BMO Field the middle to late July. What month so, is it? I stopped counting a long time ago. Oh, it's June. Okay, good. So I think it's they have two mm-hmm. matches around then, which is I think the 18th and the 21st, both at BMO Field. So those could be. The, dates that, that we circle on our calendar and also you know obviously none of this is is confirmed this is just you know early early rumors that are happening but also that there's they play august 1st i believe at bmo field so those are a couple of dates to kind of watch out for as this team is trying to return home they're trying the best that they can um so it's gonna hopefully... happen so quickly just like it did with nhl like we're gonna go from it's not happening to Hey, here's your ticket, sort of thing. Like if 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 recent history's taught us anything, it's hold on to your hats. This uh, this reopening is going to happen a lot quicker than than the the sort of oh, yeah. stipend. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And the Ontario government releasing their return to play plan for for some of these major teams. Mm-hmm. Um, the CFL is kicking off their season. I think August fifth, around that time. Um, on again, all of this can change in 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 a heartbeat, right? Mm-hmm. And. Um, you know, with with the numbers that it is, you know, that we're seeing in terms of the COVID numbers, it is trending downwards. More people are getting vaccinated, and I've also heard that TFC are hoping to get, I think, thirty five percent capacity um, when they do return home. Obviously, that's still up in the air. So, some positive news for you guys to kind of hold on to there, hold on some hope, um, but keep an eye out for those dates because 
there there is some rumblings going around that that's what TFC is eyeing, and obviously they have to get approval for that as well. But Michael Bradley spoke about it yesterday. Yeah, Anthony, I'll throw to you in a second. Yeah. Michael Bradley threw to it, spoke about it yesterday. Everyone on that TFC team is waiting to come home and can't wait to return to BMO Field. Like we've talked about that on length on this show about how much playing away from home does affect you. You know, their Austin FC, for example, I think they went off and they said that they wanted to to get at least one point in every road match that they play in, and that'll be a success for them. TFC's playing all of their matches on the road, essentially. So put that into a little bit of perspective of what's going mm-hmm. on there. Um, Anthony, what did you want to add there? I wanted to piggyback um, off the, I guess, the national team as well coming home because, you know, hopefully we go through to the final round. That first game in the Octagon is Honduras at home. How huge of homecoming is that going to be in September? Goosebumps. That's Goosebumps like uh, that. Because the national team is like, we, we love TFC games at BMO Field. There's nothing like it. But the national team games are, are a different vibe. And especially in this era, we have Tim and Sid talking about a new generation of national team players. If I know you really wanted us to get in, get that I know, in on this I show. Can't, I'm so happy right now. I'm so happy. Anyway, go ahead. Continue. No, well, I'll throw that to you. Like, what did you, what did you like well, about I- that? I mean, obviously, you know, Mitch was first to correct me that they're like maybe the biggest supporters of, of, of national team soccer in all of mainstream media. But yeah. it was it was very, very nice to see. Uh, what was it? I mean, one, I thought Twitter video maxed out at like two minutes and they managed to get like eight up there on their on their Twitter. But it's uh, it's like eight minutes of just, you know, like a like a bluffer's guide to what's going on with the Canadian men's national team. Really well presented. I mean checks all the boxes he made sure to open with now i'm only talking about the men's national team because too often they're like oh who's christine sinclair and and nobody on the men's national team is even in in the same universe as cincy right now um but it was it was nice to see you know what else was really nice to see maddie doyle on extra time quietly saying that fonzie's the best player in Concacaf, and then yeah, scream and that then, that's yeah, not, yeah. not a secret that's not yeah. a secret. He's like, he's like, you know, you can have your Pulisics and your McKennies and your Tyler Adams, but for my money, it's Fonzie. Um, easily, though. Easily. Easy, well, well, you know, that 5-3-2 and figuring out how to play Alfonso, confident, Bayern, championship, Fonzie, is going to be, like, when the book is written about this team, there's going to be paragraphs on that. Because finding a way to get your best players on the pitch is, you know, a... a Herman, man, like think about think about his trajectory. Like he was coaching a bunch of kids, and now he's coaching generational players that are making waves all over the major leagues in the world, right? Like it could have gone so many different ways. Imagine if Fonzie came back and was like, I don't have to listen to you. I mean, Hansi Flick tells me what to do in my day job. Who the hell are you? You coached New Zealand for like 20 minutes. Like I'm going to – I get to decide, you know – where I'm playing and, and J Dave could have done that. And Eustachio could have done that. Um, you know, it went from herding cats to herding cats. So Herdman is really, really, really earned his stripes here. Right. He can upgrade from the medium to the, to the shirt that fits him now and, and have all of our blessing. Uh, because I mean, when you look at it, when you like that, that's tough. That's a tough coaching gig that he inherited. Um, and I, I love what KJ said when he was on our show last week. I mean, I can't believe he, he was able to not at least hint of what was happening in his own personal career situation. But uh, I love what he said. You know, if we make it into the octagon, we're a club team. 
Herdman's coaching a club team. Uh, and, you know, for it to happen now at this juncture is, is, is just perfect timing. You know, I, I can rage about the fact that we've now got, I was saying before the show started, like I woke up yesterday and it was euros, 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 Canadian women's national team, Copa America, Copa America sleep. Like that is a full day of soccer. Why is that happening when I can go outside? Why didn't, why didn't it happen like a couple <laughs> months ago when I was stuck indoors? That's, that's my only complaint. Um, right. An exciting but, time. An exciting yeah. time as Jeff's alluding to there. Mm-hmm. Like it is really exciting time for play him off. Canada soccer for, for, you know, and TFC is returning for the first time in three weeks. They're going to be, you know, starting their, let's, let's face it. Like it's like a new season for them because I, I, yeah, exactly. A rejuvenation because the reality is, is the pressure's on now. At this mm-hmm. point, it's not about putting in good performances. At this point, it's about getting results. And this second season for them, I guess let's call it, it starts Saturday against Orlando City, a team that they already lost to. Um, but, they, you know, they played well in that match, and they're going to have some more bodies back into the mix. Ali Curtis saying this team is healthier than it's ever been, um, this season at least. So that is something to look forward to. <laughs> this season, um, I like the asterisks. This team is the healthier <laughs> they've ever been from the calendar January to March. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they will be without yeah. they will be without Josie Alter or they will be without Jefferson Soteldo. Um, but we will expect to see Alejandro Pozuelo back into that mix. Jonathan Osorio, Richie Larea playing tonight for the Canadian men's national team. After tonight's match, there's also a chance where they get back into the mix for, for Toronto FC by this weekend. So mm-hmm. we'll keep an eye out on that. But, you know, Erickson Gallardo's back in training. We got Rocco Romeo back. We have Julian Dunn back. There, There's bodies back into this mix that this TFC can now lean towards. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's going to play the kids? Do you think um, it would be so actually, I, I asked him about that a little bit, actually. And so he's not, I, I don't believe he's going to play the kids. Um, okay. They might, he might play them in bursts um but he said essentially is that like they got their run out early on this season they got you know they got valuable they got valuable they got valuable minutes under their belt Mm -hmm. and recently we saw some of the young guns being loaned down to tfc Mm too so one thing he was stressing is he was stressing consistent chris armis he was stressing consistency and you know obviously (laughs) They're not Michael Bradley. They're not Alejandro Pozuelo. Those guys are the ones that are able to to go out there and you know do that for 400 games, a thousand training sessions is what he said. So now that's what he wants to see at this next step for these these young guns is for them to you know get real game reps, get real minutes, but also to be able to back that up with their performances and for them to earn those minutes essentially. And that's why we're seeing a couple of loan stints down to TFC two. We saw Jaden Nelson go down. We saw Jaquil Marshall-Rudy go down. And we saw, of course, Kevin Silva and Ralph Preso. So expect to see, you know, perhaps a little bit of those loan moves in the future as those two teams are now really close together. And that's more of an opportunity Standard where... Yep. That's that's more of an opportunity of where those young guns can get those minutes. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't expect them to, to see too much of those young minutes uh, now moving forward. Yes, um, I <laughs> It is... It, that's funny. <laughs> It is one fifteen. Um, so yeah. let, let, let's wrap up as, as soon as we can. Um, do you guys have any final concluding thoughts before we, we kind of wrap up here? 
I would love to rant about about what my expectations are for the rest of the TFC season, but I'm going to leave it for next week. Let's uh, let's see what happens on Saturday. Yeah, um, exactly. I got, when, I got a lot of questions, and I don't I don't mm-hmm. like any of the answers that I'm coming up with myself. All right, yeah, because win, winning could heal a lot of a lot of the wounds, as Michael Bradley mm-hmm. kind of illustrated. It's easy right now to kind of you know poke holes at this TFC team and think that things are worse than they actually are, because obviously there's nothing really for them to back up anything positive right now that's mm-hmm. going on. Um, but Anthony, any final final thoughts here as as we kind of wrap up? I mean, let's finish off with the national team. It's beautiful time to be a Canadian national team fan, both on the men's and women's side with the Olympics coming up and, you know, hopefully an octagon coming up. So hopefully after tonight, it'll be even more beautiful and we can start looking forward to some huge matches. And I don't know if you guys actually saw the schedule, but our first two road games are the U.S. and Mexico. It's going to be absolutely oh! huge. <laughs> if, if, we can, if we can get through, right? If we so, have, as, yeah. as long as we don't ever call it the Ocho, because, ugh. I don't want it. It's not allowed. But yeah, go Canada, go. Yeah, Yeah, big, big matchup, as I mentioned, you know, a couple times on this show. First time that they can reach the octagon, the final eight in 24 years is 1998 in France. And it starts tonight against Haiti in the second leg with the Canadians up 1-0. That match will be played at 9 p.m. Eastern tonight in Chicago at SeatGeek Stadium. So let's let's go Canada there. Toronto catch FC. It on, catch it on one soccer pregame show. What is it? Eight thirty or eight o'clock? Is it a full? It, hour? It's usually it's usually half an hour, but okay. I, I don't know that off off my hand. Um, mm-hmm. Toronto FC. You know they're they're back in action this weekend against Orlando City, um, and we we know what's at stake there for the Reds. So hopefully they can you know we can see a couple of victories today. Um, Jonathan Azario, Richard Larea, hopefully will be able to play a big part in both of those games. Um, Anthony, first of all, thank you very much for joining us today. Awesome job. You were awesome. absolutely fantastic. And we might have to, we might have to bring you on more often instead of Mitch, because we know Mitch is a busy guy, man. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> so down. Also, so he's down. mean and you're nicer. So there you go. There you go. Um, thank you to, on that note, thank you to Mitch for joining us as our special guest today. Um, we got a lot of, a lot of good insight from Mitch about the Canadian men's national team and, you know, about tonight and why tonight should be a pretty pretty eye-opening matchup for the Canadian men's national team, one that comes with big expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you to our producers, Sophia, Kevin, Edwin, for writing all of our articles. Um, we appreciate everyone that's in the chat joining us. Um, but on that note, hopefully we got some more positive news to talk about next week. Until next week, everyone. We'll see you then. Cheers.